Good morning. If you are here on purpose this morning, let it be known by an amen. amen. All right. We are excited to worship our Savior this morning. Would you stand with us as we sing Man of Sorrows? Man of Sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own betrayed, the sin of man and wrath of God has been on Jesus' way.
this time we're going to ask Miss Vicki and Debbie to come and present a special for us this morning. Can you hear me now? <laughs> okay. Um, I'd like to give my testimony because I know there's um, some new faces out there that I'm not familiar with. Um, so I just wanted to give you a little background uh, of my life. I started coming here when I was like four years old. And that was when the church started in a little house over here on Old 74 next to Grandma's Pizza over there. And I don't remember a whole lot about that. Um, I do remember going down some steps into like a basement to my Sunday school class. That's all I can remember of that time. But my mom and dad started coming. My aunt and uncle really got them started, uh, Raymond and Christine Rose. They're the ones that got mom and dad started coming to church. And... Uh, so we started coming when I was like four. Then when I was around the age of 11, I think it was 11, 1965, <laughs> I came to Vacation Bible School. And always, we always came to Vacation Bible School. And you know, for some reason, it was almost the, la it was the night before the last meeting. And God spoke to me. And he said, Vicki, you need to be saved. So my Bible school teacher took me out. I can remember this. She took me out in the auditorium where there was no one in there, just those wood benches. And um, not used to this. Um, and I accept Jesus as my Savior, my Savior in my life. And so after that, I kept coming to church. And I started to want to get involved in more things. As a teenager, I decided I wanted to get into the adult church choir. You could get in the choir at 13 years of age. So I got in the choir. I'm singing with these women that have beautiful voices. I was so intimidated. I actually pretty much mouthed things. <laughs> I was so intimidated by them, I didn't want them to hear me. So I got my start there. And then as I became a teenager, we had a youth director and his wife, precious, precious people to me. And we had a meeting one Saturday night, a teen meeting. And the, gu the guys were all playing ping pong and doing different games and stuff. And so the leader's wife says, girls, let's get around the piano and just sing some songs. Come on. So we all got around the piano and we're singing songs and all singing together. And she looked at me, she goes, Vicki, sing that next verse. All by myself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you have to realize I was a very shy child <laughs> growing up. I was very shy. 
So I was really nervous about singing that song by myself. So I sat with that verse. So I sang that verse by myself. And because of that and her encouragement to me led me into so much more. And I know it was God that was in it. But she's the one that encouraged me, Vicki, do more, do more, do more. So from that, I went, started singing solos, duets, trios. I was even in a mixed quartet. As a matter of fact, my brother Bill Hargis was part of that. <laughs> and of course, now he's in Trenton, Ohio, in a Latin-speaking church. So God's been good to me. And then recently, of course, I've been not singing for, I know, at least 20 years. Um, I haven't been in a church where I felt that I could be a part of it. And recently, God's been talking to me. And he says, I think you need to start singing again. So, for, after many years of being silent, I'm going to try to sing today. I also want to thank Debbie for being so patient with me and working with me and encouraging me <laughs> to get to this point today. So, I just want to sing a couple songs for you real quickly. Um, I know you've probably heard them. One of them is a pretty old song, but it's got beautiful words. So I'd like to sing them for you, and I hope it'll be a blessing and encouragement. Also, I forgot to say, let me backtrack. I lost my train of thought. Young people and old people alike, God can use you in so many ways because he did me. And I am an example of that. So don't let fear or intimidation keep you from doing what the Lord wants you to do. I feel the touch of hands so kind and shall hear the call 
from heaven's portals. Come home, my child. This is the last mile you must trod. I'll fall asleep and I'll wake in God's sweet heaven. For I'm sheltered in the arms of God. So clouds rise they won't worry me for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God he walks with me and not of earth can harm me for I'm sheltered say thanks for the things you have done for me, things so undeserved that you give to prove your love for me, the voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude, all that I am. Forever hope to be. I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things he blood he has saved me with his power he has raised me to God be the glory for the things he has done just let me live my life let it be should I gain any praise let it go to Calvary to God be the glory to God be the glory to God be the glory for the he has done just let me live my life let it be pleasing Lord to thee and should I gain 
I'll ask the ushers to come forward as we prepare to collect the offering. I'm going to do something that I normally don't do, is I'm going to read two translations of the same Bible verse. Proverbs 17, 6, the English Standard Version says this, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. You'll see why I chose to read that translation. In the New King James, it says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. <laughs> I wanted to read that verse because today is Grandparents' Day. To, to all the, the grandparents, uh, Lord bless you today. I hope you have an opportunity to either talk or spend time with your grandchildren. Uh, it's, it's a glorious time uh, when you're able to, to be together as a family. I, I, I know that. Uh, my dad lives in Florida. We don't get to, to spend time together very often. So when we are together, I try to cherish those times and, and celebrate the Lord uh, uh, with them. So if you have that opportunity, be sure to, uh, to uh, just enjoy that time together as a family, whether it's with or without your grandparents. Maybe your grandparents have passed on. Uh, for uh, grandparents that are here today, we just pray that you will continue to model. What a great testimony from Vicki. Model godliness. Uh, show your children and your children's children how to live for the Lord. And children, it's not, um, it's not that you have to be an adult to glorify God. Just like Vicki said, you can glorify God even as a young person growing up. So everybody here should be encouraged to live for the Lord and glorify him in all that we do. With that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We've heard your, your word sung and talked about, Lord, we're praying that you will open our hearts and minds as the, the word is opened and we hear uh, preaching from it, Lord. I pray that each one of us, from the testimonies, from the songs, from the Bible verses, from the, the sermon, pray that each one of us would be burdened to, to follow you, to obey you, to glorify you, to tell others about you, Lord. Help us to live lives that honor and glorify you. We thank you in Jesus' name. By way of scripture <clears throat> this morning, I'm going to give you the application at the beginning. I'm going to give you the application in the end. It's simple. I love it when the Bible makes things simple. We, people, human beings, tend to make things complicated. The application is repentance and stay the course. Repentance and stay the course. As I had the opportunity this morning, I teach in Bible Quest once a month. Once a month, first Sunday of every month, we had to shuffle it around this month, but the first Sunday of every month, I, um, I'm in with Bible Quest. Pastor Rick gives me the lesson, ready to go, and I study it up, and um, it's, it's a cherished time for me because I get to spend time with the kids, your kids, and I don't want to lose the connectivity. In fact, some of these I never, don't have contact with at all because they're so young and I'm so old. They remind me of that all the time. But uh, in studying for that, we, they're going through the life of Christ right now, and they're talking about right prior to, to Jesus being baptized. My lesson this morning was on John the Baptist. And uh, I was so uh, studying and, and restudying and going over it and getting lessons ready. I was so, just the, 
the scripture speaks, and when it's clear and it speaks, we, we must be just as uh, quick to reply and respond when the Holy Spirit's touching your heart. He's speaking to your life. He's speaking truth into your life. And so today, I want to talk about repentance and staying the course by way of application. That's the application for us today. Brad just said something there that was so true back uh, on the back of Vicky's words. That not only is it that you can honor God, regardless of your age, children, teens, all the way through, it's that you're commanded to honor God. The goal is always the same. It's always the same regardless of your age, of your, of your maturity, even your spiritual maturity. Number one of being a believer is honoring him. What does that look like? Well, we have a, an example through John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer, I like to call him. John the Baptist, he magnified Jesus Christ as that forerunner. And that was the lesson this morning. For me, as I'm teaching over there, and we're, we're man, it was, it was good times. But before we dive into this, we're going to go verse by verse out of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Now, if you're hanging with us on Sunday nights, which tonight will be a Facebook live tonight um, at 7 o'clock. And you'll remember back as when we do the book of John, we're going book, chapter, verse, right in a row. We covered this in, in great detail and uh, in a teaching format. But you know, when you look at this, you may hear this storyline. Sometimes we come to church and we hear the stories and repeat that, the events and the, re and the words and the works of Christ so much that you know where it's going before we get there. But you know, what I learned about BQ this morning and these kids, we can ask a question and they were giving us one of three answers is going to cover it. No matter what the question, the answer was going to be Jesus, Bible, or sin. No matter how we phrased it. So um, we can become so familiar. So we were working to reword it to actually, are you ready for this? Have your kids think. They were going to have to think today. We do the same thing as adults. When we come, it's Sunday morning, you got your coffee, you, you've been caffeined up enough where I can endure Pastor Scott for a little bit here. And uh, let's just, and sometimes, can I, I'm going to be very honest, I'm not talking about our church directly, but sometimes I feel in church culture, what I see in culture, period, is sometimes on Sunday, you get to about the afternoon, it's like, it's like the whole culture just takes a deep breath, like, we got through another Sunday, like, we got through, not like we endured it, but like, you know something's amiss in your life, and you know that truth is being presented right before you, and we just don't want to do much with it. Today, we want to reverse that. As we consider the topic of gospel conversations, I want you to see what John the Baptist did here. You may think, well, I'm not John the Baptist. I don't have this call on my life per se. No, but if you're a believer, you have something on your life. He's endowed you. The Holy Spirit has endowed you with spiritual gifts. I hope you're not wasting it. You're going to blink and this life's going to be over. 
and you're going to be standing before Jesus Christ at the Bema Seat of Christ with your spiritual gift, being held accountable. What have you done with your spiritual gift? Before we dive into this verse by verse, I want us to look at Israel. I'll say Judaism, uh, the religion of the country and of the time that Jesus was on the scene. Just a real quick look, and then we're going to dive into this. John <clears throat> chapter 4. Let's do, let's do this. John chapter 3, verse 25. I don't like course correcting once I have a plan, but sometimes we need to do this. I want us to look at Israel and the religion of the time uh, of Jesus this is what was going on around him. So many times we approach the Bible with our Western mindset or with our paradigm, our way of thinking, and we, we go into the Bible. I want you to go into their, what was going on in their culture, their paradigm, their way of thinking. That's where I want you to go this morning. Verse 25 of John chapter 3 says, Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifications. What was going on is they were occupied with the externals of religion. The externals, what it looks like, the purification. Now, what's that look like? Now, let's jump to 2023. What's that look like here? Well, where do you go to church? Do you go to church? You don't have to go. Just love God. Don't worry. Even if you love God, just serve him and on and on. The externals of our religion in 2023, in principle, is the same as their externals then. It was the externals, which are so secondary to the point of what Christ baptism is all about. They were envious of the results of Christ's ministry. Look in verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. They were envious to the results of Jesus' ministry. Look in verse 32, because you're going to see that they rejected the testimony of the Savior. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. This is, this is setting the stage for what's going on and what's about to happen as we pick this up. Verses 22 through 36. I hope you like the Bible today, because you're going to get a bunch of it right here, right here. Boom, 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 boom. You're going to see it. We're going to unpack this thing to where you can fully understand and digest, not just hit a topical and get some platitudes out of Scripture. You want the deep dive of Scripture, not the platitudes of Scripture. We want to read verse 22 is where we'll pick up. But we want to read this really in light of John chapter 4, verse 2. So first, let's look in 322. It says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. 
Now, flip a page over, or perhaps it's on the same page, to 4, 2, chapter 4, verse 2. Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. So, what's standing out when we link these two verses together, a principle is established. What is that principle? What is done by his servants, <clears throat> by his servants and his, and his authority, it's as if he had been there and done it himself. Jesus gives believers, he gives the church the authority to say and do these things as if he was doing them. Verse 22, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. Jesus the Messiah, the man. And there he remained with them and baptized. So what was John doing? In a minute, you're going to see John was kind of doing the same thing. Is, he, is that different? Is it the same? What are we talking about here? I want you to see something because one of the most famous verses, in fact, I saw a bumper sticker just this week of verse 30 of chapter 3, verse 30. You may think, and it was done without, this bumper sticker was done without words. He must increase, but I must decrease. As we work our way down there, of course, when on the bumper sticker it was a letter I, and it had the greater than and less than symbols in it, and I knew what it meant, but perhaps a lot of people didn't. John was doing something by the, by the, uh, the edict and the will of God. And Jesus is coming along in verse 22. Looks like a contradiction. Came into the land of Judea. He was in Jerusalem, which was Judea. This phrase probably means that he moved out into rural areas. Now, rural areas is not where people are typically. Typically, usually the, the cities is where people are. You're going to see why they went there in these rural areas in a moment. In fact, let's look in verse 23. Now, John was baptizing in Anion near Salem. Because there was much water there, and they came and they came and were baptized. Anion or Eon, Enon is the better way of phrasing it. Uh, it means places of springs. It's a place of springs. Now, I don't know about you if you've ever been to a place that has a natural spring. Who's ever been to a place with a natural spring? You've been there, seen it, done it, right? We did it once uh, in Missouri, uh, Bennett Springs, and it had a big plaque on how many gallons of water and all this stuff. And in with it, uh, I think we're on a canoe trip on this trip, uh, my wife, Carla, at Bennett Springs. Is that Bennett Springs? She decides to jump into this spring at some point. We're at a spring. And she decides she's, she's jumping in. And um, just a warning if you jump into spring water, a lot of times it's a little cooler than what you expect. <laughs> Come out shivering and shaking. And, but all this, so it, there's a, 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 you need water if you're going to baptize biblically. Amen? You need more than a cupful if you're going to baptize biblically. Plenty of water there, and salium is peace, is what the word means. What the believer has in Christ. This is the place we see in verse 23. John, he's also baptizing there. Crowds which first are used to come to John 
are now going to Jesus in verse 26. Look in verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. What's John to do? What's John to do? All of a sudden, John could find in his human nature, could find himself in a place of uh, a, a little bit of a threatening power here. Now, Lord, I'm going to serve you, God. I'm set apart. I'm serving you. But sometimes what happens is you got to know when your ministry changes. You got to know when to let go. And that can be hard to do at times. It can be very hard to do. What's he going to do? Does he decide that his work is now finished and God, you no longer need me. I'm just going to go retire off here from ministry. Does he become discouraged because the crowds are smaller? You know, there's a pastor that uh, I was watching, uh, just listening to him, and he talked to two other church leaders, and he has a message called, Lord, make us smaller. In fact, one of his messages, he said, I call this message a space maker. Because when I get done preaching, a lot of people aren't going to come back. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He wasn't being, I don't like people. He was saying, we want genuine people that are seeking and pursuing God, that will listen and hear the word of God, not just taking up space. And what happens a lot of times when the crowd gets smaller, this pastor warned to you pastors that if you're going to stay true to the Bible, at times you're going to see it numerically grow. At times you're going to see it shrink. But if you're going to stay tr true to it, at some point you may get smaller. How are you going to handle that? Are you going to go, oh, remember, remember yesteryear when it used to be? Or are you going to keep feeding the sheep? Or are you going to go try to steal sheep so you get to that number you once had? Then what have you had? Do you have real sheep at that point? Now you've manipulated the number. It was very interesting to me to hear him speak because John is in that spot. He's excited. People are being baptized for the remission of sin, not for the remission of sin, for the re, uh, baptism of repentance. He would say, you're going to read it in a moment, repent and be identified. Why? Because the kingdom of God is near. Be identified with the works of repentance. That's exciting to be a part of. And all of a sudden that crowd's getting smaller and more are following. Now, he knows the right answer. He says the right words. Uh, in, in Matthew 3 is where he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he knows the right answer, but all of a sudden there's a threat. How are you when your life, your livelihood, perhaps your comfort, your spiritual comfort level gets threatened, gets rattled, gets taken away? How are you? Does he quit and go on a long vacation? You know what John does? He keeps on baptizing. He keeps on doing the work that God would have him the root, the zoo. John's reason of popularity might be over. Watch this. His reason for his popularity might be over. His light eclipsed by a greater light. But he stayed the course for what God had for him to do. Verse 24 of John chapter 3 reads, For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Oh, well, there's an encouraging line. 
you can remember what he was thrown into prison for, speaking the truth publicly that officials didn't like. But in verse 24, this helps with the timeline of the other Gospels, by the way. Because you've got to remember, John was not, this book, this book was not written chronologically. And by the way, John the Baptist didn't write the Gospel of John. Just wanted to make sure we were reminded of that. Verse 25, a religious battle ensues. Listen, we are in a religious battle today. You may think, no, things are pretty quiet and peaceful, aren't they? Aren't they? We're in a religious battle. The religious battle is for truth and what is truth. The same group, look in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 19. I'm telling you, you're going to get a lot of scripture real quick now. Chapter 1, 19, this very same group we're talking about in chapter 3. Look what it says in 119. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? So in 19, they're inquisitive. They're inquisitive. They're asking that same group of people is what we now see in, um, in chapter 3. In fact, um, look, in, look in chapter 1, verse 28. Look in chapter 1, verse 28 of John. These things were done in Beth, Bethborough, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. Same place, same people is what's going on. John reminds them of all this. Look in chapter 1, verse 20. Look in verse 20. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ, chapter, uh, verse 21. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. You think, well, Pastor Scott, why are you going over all of this? Because John the Baptist just does a mic drop on him. He just mic dropped him. For you older generation, that means he made a very solid point. You remember because you were there and you already, we already did all this. And now you're asking, again, same group, same basically questions are now inquisitive of him. There's a religious battle. By the way, all of our, everything that comes down, all of our battles in life, all of them are religious wars when you get down to it. Whether it's a tangible war with countries, a war within, a civil war within your own, own family, they all come down to religious wars. But verse 26 of chapter 3, well, we probably should read verse 25, I should say, because that dovetails with everything I just said, of verse 25. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. That's the same people from chapter 1. That's the mic drop moment that he had there in verse 25. Verse 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who was he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified? Behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. A malicious motive by the religious elite. You see what they're trying to do here? They're trying to be divisive on purpose. These religious elite are going, hey, John, look at. They're trying to, to, to get in there and put a wedge. But their motives are all wrong. These are the leaders. 
spiritual leaders of Israel. They wanted to cause division among the forerunner and the Messiah. Between the cousins, even. Why? To make John jealous. They wanted John jealous. Do not raise your hand on this, but you, have you seen this in your own family? So-and-so said this about so-and-so. And there, there's the wedge. There it goes. And now we can't have Thanksgiving together. Why? Why? Because of malicious, self-centered thinking that's not God-honoring. It's self-honoring. And that's what was going on right here. Verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. John's reply is most becoming right here. He recognizes God's sovereignty. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. He reminds, he reminds his, te his tempters of his previous disclaimer. Look in verse 28. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. You remember me saying that, right? He also declares that Israel belonged to Christ and not himself. Look in verse 29. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Israel belonged to Christ. He affirmed his own joy is witnessing this very fact. John can see it. John's been set apart, called, prepared for this time. And he can see this all unfolding. He sees it all. They can't, but he gets to see it all. And he's saying, that's a joy of mine to watch God connect people, individuals, with himself. And that's why Jesus Christ came. John's, John's watching it all unfold in front of his eyes. What was foretold, by the way, John does, when they ask Elijah, he goes, no. He had all the signs that Elijah had. The way he was out in the wilderness, the way he spoke. And that's why they thought, or, or, you know, they're trying, to, they're trying to say, John, elevate yourself a little bit. And he wouldn't do it. But he said there's a joy in watching God do what only he can do by connecting people, his creation, with the creator. And he's getting to witness this. Then John, John uses this line of verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, we kind of proof text out a little bit. But John is, is, is saying that this, I, my popularity is becoming smaller I've done my, my, my role here. I'm going to keep doing it, but I've done my role. Christ must increase. I have to become smaller so that Christ can become bigger. Let's unpack that just a little bit. Looking backwards, he recognizes uh, God's sovereign will. Going back to 27, Jesus answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. John wasn't surprised at their lack of spiritual perception. He wasn't surprised. Are you? The things of God cannot be discerned by natural man. Listen to me. We try so hard 
We need to honor God's word, put it in our lives. But we cannot force this on a world that is not spiritually discerned. Did you hear that? They, they, they can't understand the word of God. Now, someone could hear that in this audience or on Facebook and go, that is a very arrogant position to take. That is a very arrogant position to take. It's what the Bible teaches. So you're saying that you're smarter, your church, this church is smarter than everybody else. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that God does a work in mankind's heart that only he can do, that will illuminate scripture and enlighten your eyes to himself and to his word. Verse 27 that we've read several times now contains the information to much that uh, it really surprised, it puzzles us a bit. God's has, let me Claremont County this up. God's got to give certain things. That's why no one can be argued into heaven and out of hell. You've seen it on, you've seen the feeds of debates. I'm watching Ken Ham, he debates different people and you can't argue people into heaven and out of hell. Why? God's got to do a certain thing. And by the way, we're not that smart. God does this. God gives. He enlightens to himself, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Yet there's no excuse for man's ignorance. God has made known his mind through his word, John 17, 17. Yet there's God's sovereignty as well. Turn with me to Matthew 11. Matthew, keep your finger there in John. We'll go to Matthew 11. <clears throat> Verse 25 and 26. Matthew 11. Verse 25 and 26 says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them even to babes, spiritual babes. Listen to me. I said that comment a moment ago. You may be thinking, yeah, that is kind of an arrogant position. That is kind of a, why would you say that? You're going to offend people. You want to make a crowd smaller, keep talking like that. But the Bible says it's hidden from the wise and prudent. That's why you can't argue people into heaven and out of hell. We share. We have to have an answer. Be ready to give a defense. Be ready to give an answer. But you're not going to argue them in. Look in verse 26. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. What's that mean? God's in control. Amen? He's in control. That's why when we hear testimonies of other people, get excited. The more, I was sharing, uh, I was hearing a testimony of somebody the other day that I've known them for decades, and I still, something caught me off guard by what they were saying. We need to get excited when we hear these testimonies. Uh, man, I really want to get them at the forefront of our church once again. Look in uh, Matthew 16, 17. We're talking about God's sovereignty. Matthew 16, 17. 
Again, another, yet another example. There's, there's multiple examples of this, of God's sovereignty. But watch what happens in Matthew 16, 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Let me pause right there. No smart person, no somebody with the, with the intellect and academia has, has made this happen to you, has revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Say, Father, my Father's revealed this. The perfect Father. As we think about going back to John chapter 4, uh, chapter 3, as we think through this more, yet we even have not because we ask not, or we ask incorrectly is what the book of James tells us. Seek wisdom slash God like silver, Proverbs tells us to do. John chapter 3, verse 28, we'll see that he reminds them of his previous disclaimer. John is doing this once again. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been seen, uh, but I have been, been, been sent before him. He reminds this of the previous disclaimer. Mic drop again. Not like the mic drop that Vicky kept doing up here on the pulpit. That, that's a different thing. He would, that's a whole different kind of mic drop. John tells, uh, tells them who, let me Claremont County this up again. John tells them who he ain't and who he is. He's not the Christ. I'm the forerunner. The religious elite were attempting to stir John's pride. You know, James, the book of James tells us we're drawn away by our own desires. The devil doesn't always make you do it. We're drawn away by our own desires. And pride is almost always at the forefront. And these guys are at least street smart enough to know poke it is pride. Stir that pride up. But John knew. He was, re, he, was, he, was, he was remembered and he was resolute to his role as a servant to the Lord, whatever that looks like. That preach is easy and it's exciting until it doesn't go favorably. What's your role? What is your role in his kingdom as a believer? I'm speaking to the believer now. He declared that Israel belonged to Christ, not himself. Look in verse 29. And he who, ha who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. Who's the bride? You may be tempted to think it's the church, but really it's argued that keeping in context here, that it's really Israel in this context. Israel's the bride. We saw it in verse 22 and 23, if you want to dive into that. But he's baptizing in those two verses, 22 and 23. Who's he baptizing? Not the Christians. Or the, it's not a believer's baptism here. Because that isn't instituted till after the death, the burial, and the resurrection. This baptism was the re, uh, baptism of repentance or they call it the baptism of the kingdom. 
which is now abolished. Why? Because he's come. He died and he rose again. John's ministry was confined to Israel at this point, and he linked himself to the groom, the best man, so to speak. Jesus' baptism of the kingdom. He was presenting himself to Israel, and that's why John had joy. Did you catch that? Why was his joy fulfilled? Because John is the front row. I've officiated weddings up here. And the bride's usually on that side, bridesmaids, and the groom's here, and a deal. But the guy who's right here next to the groom, right, he's the one, usually carries the rings that they can never, you know, always do that trick where they can't find them and all that guy. That guy, he has the front row seat. He, he's, he's hearing, he's listening, we practice, but he's, he's getting to watch these vows become a reality. And that's what John's saying. I, I, I get to watch all this. Y'all may not know what's going on, but I, he, John's saying, I have the front row. He's presenting himself to Israel is what Jesus is doing right here. He presents himself to you and I today as well, doesn't he? He affirms his own joy in witnessing this. It's a precious thing. It's the fruit of being occupied with Christ. When you're occupied with him, this is the fruit of that. Look at the words there in verse 29, the word stand. He who has a bride is a bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and, and hears these words in the Greek are in perfect tense. Meaning it's a continuous action, is what John was saying. Daily, this must be done for joy to be fulfilled. John must decrease, Christ must increase in verse 30. There's that famous verse. This complements John's modesty, which is exactly the opposite of the religious elite. And what they wanted him to do. By the way, the more we decrease, the better we stand and hear. We asked the, the kids a question in Bible Quest this morning, and um, it was it was it was an interesting question, and I I actually shared with them. You know, I could well, I asked that question to the adults all the time out here to the Christian adults, and how to do it. It always gets down to how to do it. And the question was, how do we be more like Jesus? And you know, the answers they gave are a lot of answers I hear in here. Go to church. Pray. Read. Those are the right answers. But you know, I've learned something over the years. Though those are the right answers, applying them can get challenging. Can we reword that a hair? How do we get more, how do we become more like him? We take on his attitude and his actions. Take on his attitude and his actions. How do we learn his attitude? How do we follow his actions? Go to church, read, and pray. So the answer is not wrong. How do you take on this attitude and action? When you're righteous in him, 
Now he's in you wanting to work this out. The Holy Spirit is in you going, ooh, it's party time, let's go. But what happens is we, you're either going to work with him or you're going to fight against him. I'm speaking to the Christian now. You're either working with the Holy Spirit to produce fruit or you're going to fight against him. But he's never going to leave you. He may, you may get beat up some, but he's never going to leave you. The attitude and the action of Christ needs to be lived out. What's that look like? And sometimes it's by not going to church and not reading your Bible and not praying. It's sometimes it's by doing. It's by doing. You need those staples in your life. You're not, you say, I don't have to go to church, read my Bible, and pray to be a Christian. If you believe in Christ fully in his resurrection, you're right. You don't. You're just going to be a terrible one at it. You're not going to grow. You're not going to grow. And then you've got to stand before Christ on that. You've got to stand before Christ on your walk with him. Have that party with the Holy Spirit. Give him, give him you as a believer. Watch what he wants to do, can do, promises to do. Watch. His final testimony of Jesus Christ to the religious elite, you'll find in verse 31 through 36. He who comes from above is from above, but he who is in the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from, above, from heaven is above all. Verse 31 is making that point once again, that John was of the earth, Christ comes from above and is above all. John was the one who could receive nothing except it came from heaven. We saw it in verse 27. Where Christ was one, was the one to whom the Father has given all things. Look in verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. All authority has been given to him. Jesus was the Christ. John was only sent before him. We saw that in verse 28. Christ was the groom. John was the best man. Verse 29. Increase, decrease. Verse 30. Verse 31. John was of this earth. John was you and I, y'all. He was of this earth, not from above. And they're trying to elevate him. Once again, John had only a measure of spirit, but of Christ it is witnessed. Verse 34, look in verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. No limited communication with the Holy Spirit or God. The only limitations are probably the ones you put on it. Are you working with or working against? John was a servant. The, the, the Savior was the Son of God. Verse 35. John was one who could receive nothing except it came from heaven. We saw that in verse 27. Christ knew all from the Father. Verse 31. I'm making this point this morning for this reason. Is repentance. That's why I'm making the point. We snuff out 
speaking to the Christian, to the believer, we snuff out Christ in our life and we snuff out the work of the Holy Spirit so many times because of what they were trying to stir up in John. And ours are over petty things, little things. John was limited. Christ is unlimited. When we don't get what we want or go, things go the way we think they should, that's when you're going to see who you are. That's you want to see what kind of fruit pops out or nothing's going to pop out of your life. Jesus was the Christ. John was sent. Look in verse 32. In what he has seen and heard, that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. Jesus was and is a perfect testimony and yet ignored. The prophets received their message from the Holy Spirit and they spoke what they hadn't seen. Matthew 13, 17. There are things that angels actually desire to look upon. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. But Jesus knows heavenly things from and perfect knowledge. He knew the mind of God. Why? Because he is God in the flesh. Verse 33 says, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. To set his seal, certified, ratified. By faith in the Lord, the believer has, become, has come to know God as a reality. Now listen, I, when I was studying this, I got really emotional thinking about this. When you're ratified by God, you'll know him as reality people will say you go to the lord you go to your religion you go to your church to escape reality and i argue you come to the bible believing church to discover reality you discover who he is our creator our one that lives within us the one who gives us life who gives us hope we're not escaping anything we're not escaping anything Who's escaping reality? I can tell you who's escaping reality. The one who's lost in their addiction. The one who's lost in their dope. The one who's lost in alcohol. The one who's lost in pornography. That's the one who's escaping reality. The one who's, who's, who's chasing fool's gold that will never obtain. Success. I've heard the saying that money can't buy happiness, but it's hard to live without. I, I agree. I hear what they're saying. But it's not going to get you where you need to go. It can't. He set his seal to ratify. Look in verse 34. And to him who God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. In verse 34, Jesus only spoke the words of God. He was not limited Man only knows in part. Verse 35, the father loves the son and all has been get and has given all things into his hand. Jesus was so much more than a witness to God. He was God in the flesh. He had all things. In verse 36, you're like, yeah, we're there. We got it. He's at the end. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. 
How simple. How simple. Which class do you belong? To those who believe in the words and the works of Christ? By genuine faith or defiant and disobedient? Let's look at verse 36 again together because it's so simple. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son of God, the Son, shall not see life. Do you hear how simple that is? It's, it's not, that's not complicated right there. That's just hard. But the wrath of God abides on him. What was John's baptism? A baptism of repentance. So the application is twofold. Repenting, staying repentant, turning from sin, turning to. And the second one is this, stay in the course. John had to stay the course here. As a child of God, he was being pulled away. His pride was at stake. I don't know what your, where your life's at right now. I mean, it's every day things are moving and can, it, can, it can get weird and challenging, exciting and all rolled up and that's one day. It, it can be crazy. But I do know this, that we need him at the centerpiece. Let chapter 3 and verse 30 as it relates to John, relate to you. God, whatever you have for me, I want to be there. I want to be with you. Why? Because of verse 36. Do you want life or do you want death? That's what it boils down to. The person who's hearing this going, I, I want life. I, that's what I want. Let's have that conversation. To the believer that's going, I have, I, I've done, I've got, I've got life, but man, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm dead. Let's have that conversation. God has not left you alone, as you may think, as you may feel. You're being tempted and drawn away as well. And that's also a play on your pride. Let's bow our heads for a moment. As we do a song of prayer, a song of invitation. A time for application as well. I suppose um, we, we, we run out of words of trying to compel. And that's not the church's job. It's not my job as well. It's just to present and let the Holy Spirit asking you to do what only you can do. So, Lord, we come to you in this prayer time, moving hearts only way that you can. It doesn't matter our, our, our dynamics of our age or social background. Any, nothing is a barrier when you're working in, a heart, in your heart. Just move and work in a way that only you can as we make ourselves open and vulnerable before you during this song. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand and as Andrew leads us and sings this song perhaps you'll be singing from where you are perhaps you'll be coming and wanting to pray or perhaps you'll be wanting to have a conversation we're available for that won't you come Lord Jesus I long to be perfectly whole I want 
Just three quick announcements uh, this morning, uh, real quick. Uh, if you need a welcome, uh, a worship announcement sheet, they're out there on the Welcome Center. Please be sure to pick one of those up. Uh, three announcements. The Joyful Group will be going to the uh, Greyhound Restaurant you know, over on Dixie Highway uh, Tuesday at 1130. So if you have any questions about that, please see Miss Barb, and she'll be able to answer those for you. I forgot to mention it in our class uh, this morning, but next Sunday after church, our class, the Steadfast Life class, will be going to La Rosa's to uh, have some fellowship uh, there. So uh, remember that next Sunday after church. And then also, if you are participating in the Secret Sisters uh, gift thing and, and uh, cards and all that, be sure to check over here each week. Just make it a habit to, uh, to come over and, and uh, check out to see if you have anything on the table over there or you drop them off over there but uh, sometimes there's uh, gifts that sit over there for a couple weeks so we don't want that especially if there's something perishable there so uh, please be sure to check those out uh, each and every Sunday with that you are dismissed God bless <laughs>